So are you ready? I'm ready. Rock, paper, paper scissors. scissors. Oh, okay, okay. Paper beats rock. Oh, no. I'm up. Uh, I'm Ben Clemens. Hey, I'm Liz Landau. And this is Pod, Pod Paper, Paper Scissors. You gotta make decisions. Will you cooperate or defect? So, Liz, last week you talked about your, your dating life in L.A., so I guess I'll talk about what I was doing in L.A., which was uh, grad school studying Nash Equilibria. Oh, that's right. You were over at Caltech. Yeah, I, I was uh, enjoying the, the beautiful sunlight from inside of classrooms. And while I was there, uh, you, you may remember uh, the movie A Beautiful Mind came out. Yeah, well, while you were at Caltech, I was at Princeton where John Nash did his influential work. I feel, I, uh, that's great, Liz. I I don't know I don't know how to recover from your name dropping, <laughs> but but anyway, so he the the movie A Beautiful Mind was a favorite among the game theorists because uh, there's only one actual scene of game theory. It's mostly just a biography, but that one game theoretic scene where Nash has this epiphany about what game theory is is completely wrong. Oh, right, where he's in the bar with the girls and everything. It's also kind of sexist. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, oh, so, sorry to cut you off, but we'll have to push this to another episode. Yeah, uh, you know, it's one of my regrets in life. I rode a bus with John Nash once, and I kind of wanted to be the person to be like, so, Dr. Nash, what did you think of a beautiful mind? But I knew that I would be like the 10,000th person to ask him that question. So I never did. Yeah, maybe Mr. Matt Nash would just have a, a flyer that he could just pull out. Like, yeah, here, just read this card. And I'm going to back, go back to reading. <laughs> Don't you mean Dr. Nash? Oh, right. Yeah, because he wrote a dissertation. He, he got a PhD. The dissertation, by the way, was something like 17 pages long. 17 pages? I was writing 17-page papers when I was a freshman. Yeah, so uh, the, the story I'm told is that the big problem that the dissertation committee had, which I think I may have read in the book, A Beautiful Mind, the the dissertation committee, their question was like, can we actually award a PhD for a 17-page dissertation? Like, what what does it mean? But I guess it's good that they did, because in the end, uh, he also won a Nobel Prize for that dissertation. It didn't do a lot, because... It was 17 pages. What it, what it basically did was that it de- demonstrated that, that there's this class of things, games, where there's always this thing, the equilibrium. So any game that you give me, we can find an equilibrium that's you know reasonably well-defined. We can find the equilibrium. So when you're talking about an equilibrium, you mean a state in which both players are happy with the outcome of their decisions and wouldn't change them. Yeah, that's a, re- that's a really great definition, Liz. Thanks. The problem is that your definition is, you know, extremely sensible in what we're going to talk about here. The definition in the paper is, you know, we apply Brouwer's fix- fixed point theorem uh, to this class of payoff tables and we get the following equilibrium. And uh, we're not going to go into Brouwer's fixed point theorem on this talk. But the point is that there's this shear between the theory saying, yes, there's always an equilibrium and the reality of whether people would actually, you know, 
play that equilibrium? Is it actually a predictive theory that says this is what people are going to do, or is just, I don't know, this, this theoretical construct? All right, Ben. Well, a lot of people out there, including myself, don't really know about this eyebrow tweezer fixing thing that you're talking about. Eyebrow <laughs> fix point. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> it, it's it's not important. Uh, but okay. Why don't we talk about how it actually applies to real life? Sure. Let, let's do an example. Let's do an example. Okay. So when you were talking about finding this equilibrium between two people, you know, kind of playing a game, I thought about how there was this one time in Pasadena where a friend of mine was going to host a poker tournament at his house and he emailed six people and two of the six were myself and somebody that I had dated, kind of recently broken up with on not so great terms. Oh, so the, can I go to a party with my ex problem? Yeah, and it's worse than going to a party with your ex because if it's just a house party, you could stay in the kitchen if he or she or they are in the living room. However, if it's a poker game, Everybody is in the same room at the same table, possibly making eye contact the whole time. Oh, yeah. And it's only worse if it's strip poker, right? We don't do that at Caltech. <laughs> okay. It, it, though once, it, since, since we're talking about Caltech, all right. but yeah, uh, we did actually manage uh, a game of strip Jenga among the grad students once. That, that was uh, like a proud moment of having personality. Enough about Caltech. Let's go back to strip poker with your ex. So <laughs> your what are the options for you and your uh, your ex? So one is that your ex goes and you stay home. So d does that sound like an equilibrium to you? Yeah. If he went to the game and I stayed home, which actually is probably what happened, I think that's a great outcome for both of us because I would be happier staying home if he went and he would be happier going if I stayed home. Okay, so that, that's that's all very reasonable. So knowing what he did, you're not going to change your mind. And knowing him knowing what you did, he's not going to change his mind. So that And it, it would work this the opposite way too, right? So if you went and he stayed home, that, that, would, that would be... Symmetric, yeah? I think that would be totally fine as well because then he could do whatever he wanted at home and I would be with the rest of our friends in a safe and jovial situation. Great. And so the uh, we have two more possibilities though, right? Uh, which these deserve a musical sting. Like dun, dun, dun. So one is that you both show up, right? Right. And so if we both show up, Again, it's kind of hard to give a polite excuse to leave after 20 minutes or something if it's a poker game that you consented to be part of. So, yeah, basically we would be kind of like awkwardly at the same table for a long time. So there would be regret. There could be regret. Yeah, especially once... Yeah, okay, I'll drop the strip poker thing. So the other... The last, last of in our little two-by-two two table of you go or he goes, whatever, is that you both don't go. 
And yeah, if we both don't go, then honestly, our friend who had the poker party loses in addition to both of us because, you know, it would have been nice to have one of us there and each of us would have preferred to be there if the other were not there. So let, let me summarize a few points here. So to, two kind of notable points. The first is that you can have multiple equilibria, right? So it would be, fi- it would be fine and equilibria-ish if you went and he didn't. It would be fine if he went and you didn't, yeah? Right. And inside this simple little game that, w- that we're making up here, there's, there's really no way to know what's going to happen between those two equilibria. The other thing to kind of note is I I use the word regret several times here. And even if we don't believe that people play equilibria, there's sort of this interesting thing about, like, you can be negative about it. Like, if something is not in equilibrium, what does that mean? And I feel like there's always this sense of regret afterward where somebody says, yeah, uh, looking back on this, I think I think I kind of made the wrong choice here. Okay, okay. So that was one example, but how else is this applicable in our everyday lives? So, okay, let's try to make this a series by talking about something that we we talked about last time. Oh, the nightmare of my dating life in LA. Yeah, that. So, and and this is this is something that we talked about last time, and I wanted to say, oh, this is an excellent example of Nash equilibria, but it, it it was too much, and we didn't get to that. But we're getting to it now. So. Let's say we have some fictional dating app for people in LA. What what do you want to call it? The Stars and Swipes. Sounds great. Yeah, so there there we talked about then two types of people uh which I I even even then I was like, "Oh, this is a good example of Nash equilibria," but I didn't want to talk about it then. It was a little off topic and but we're talking about it now. Darn it. Oh, I didn't edit that out. (laughs) Okay. We had two types of person on on the stars and swipes. Right. And this is a little bit simplistic, but you could imagine that there would be the people who are looking for a long-term relationship and the people who are looking for some short-term fun. By the way, we at Pod, Pod, Paper, Scissors are are accepting of everyone's quirks and have no interest in slut shaming. So we, we don't want to say that one type is good or one type is bad. But one thing that stands out is that when there's an interaction between the two, and we talked about this a little bit last time, there's there's potential friction. Oh yeah, I felt all kinds of friction. That, Sorry, you, really. that sounds vulgar. <laughs> when you're looking for let's say, just some fun tomorrow night or even tonight, and you go on an app with that intention, then you might clash with people who are like, no, what do you mean? I'm not going to come over tonight. I've never even met you. Don't you want to get to know each other first? These are two very different mentalities. They're both very valid mentalities, as Ben said, but I've been in a situation where people have been extremely forward on these apps 
inviting me over as the first or second line in a text exchange and I'm like oh no sorry I'd, I'd rather like you know go out with somebody who wants to get to know me and they're like no what do you mean like like that's that's great but don't you want to get it on yeah so it would be nice if there was a way to separate them right these two types of interest right so imagine that there were and honestly there are but we should fictionalize this so imagine that there's uh an app aimed entirely at long-term relationships okay so uh you you maybe record little voice clips because this is fictionalized and, and we'll call it the sound of settling and then, y- and y- then the y- people y- swiped and prayed. <laughs> uh, okay, you can put in the, the sound of settling musical thing. <laughs> okay. And then, and then we, we're gonna have another fictionalized thing for people who who just want to get laid. You, you should you should, <laughs> na- you should you should name it. Let's give it a name. Oh, how about L Aid? That that's brilliant. Hi, hi, high five sound effect. Great. Okay, that was not great. Uh. All right. <laughs> yeah, he, he, and I, I, I like that name because in L.A. there's, I don't know if it's still around, they, there's a new newsletter that is basically for ads for escorts. It's called L.A. Express. And my brother loved this because he, he's like, wait, L.A.X. has its own press? I'm digressing. Now we've got three different apps. Right, and people have the choice of either being on the general purpose stars and swipes, or they can move. Okay, so while we fictionalize this, let let's start trying to do some analysis. Let's say everybody who wants an LTR is on the sound of settling. Okay, let's not use acronyms. Okay, everyone who wants a long-term relationship is on the sound of settling, and everyone who is DTF is on LAID. Is that an equilibrium? Well, it is because everybody is, in theory, among the community of people that shares their values and has the same strategy. But wait a minute, Ben. There's actually another equilibrium here. Yeah? One of the problems that I had with some apps out in L.A. is that they had recently been introduced to L.A. And so the membership was actually quite low, like in a single you know, 10 minutes, I could actually have gone through every single guy in my age group who was in a five mile radius. And yes, I put in five mile radius, because if you go more than five miles in LA, it's going to take you an hour. (laughs) Um, So yeah, if I've exhausted the pool of members in like 10 or 15 minutes, then i I'm going to be pretty doubtful that this app is going to be that useful. So if this other app, Stars and Swipes, has a huge membership pool, I might actually migrate over there. Even though Stars and Swipes would have people both of the long-term relationship and short-term relationship persuasions, you might be better off in this bigger pool just because there's more options. So this demonstrates another... Now, this goes back to what we were talking about before, that you can have multiple equilibria. In this case, we have one equilibrium where everybody separates 
into different spaces and one where everybody pulls. And notice, by the way, that jumping, they're, they're both stable. If everybody's on the stars and swipes, you're not going to switch to the sound of settling. Like, you have no regret. I suppose under these hypothetical conditions, I would have no regrets. Yeah, so we have two, two equilibria where everybody's at the, the stars and swipes and is okay with it, or everybody is separated into L-aid and sound of settling and is okay with it. And there's kind of a chasm between these two equilibria. How you go from one to the other is, you know, one of the, often one of the great problems. Like, if you were marketing for L-aid, this would be your job. How do we jump from one equilibrium to another? Wait, Ben, what do you mean switch from one equilibrium to another? So we can picture one world where everybody is signed on to Stars and Swipes and these other apps are barren. Nobody's on them. And another equilibrium where people have separated uh, into these two side apps and nobody is at the Stars and Swipes. So these are both stable alternate universes. And the question is, is there a way, uh, the question, you know, LA to marketing is thinking through is, is there a way to jump from one alternate universe to the other? Well, is there? Maybe we'll, we'll consider options later. Let's, let's push that for now. But there's certainly no easy answer. And that, yeah, this is what the marketing departments are doing, that they're trying to work out. How can we get a new equilibrium where everybody is used to being in one place when they used to be in another? Okay, okay. So, as always, we're talking about theory, but people's preferences change. People sometimes think that they are out to find a long-term relationship However, they meet somebody who is a better fit for them for a very short period of time. Conversely, some people, you know, think that they're just out for some casual fun for just a day, a week, something without attachment, and then suddenly they fall in love. These apps are just there to help you meet people they're not going to reveal to you your inner self. It is a journey you have to go on with your own heart. Whoa, that's deep. Can, can we close with... <laughs> Did that sound sarcastic? It wasn't meant as sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. There's more to it than the simple model here, right? And in fact, the fact that there are so many people on these general purpose apps that we wound up with one equilibrium that is frankly by the theory less efficient than uh, th this equilibrium where people are in separate spaces uh, it says something about what people's preferences are you know it, it it partly says the marketing is great at the general purpose apps but it also says yeah maybe people don't know what they're looking for uh, let me close out with the same mismanners line i read to close out last time uh it is the essence of social flirting that no one, not even the participants, should be positive that anything more was intended than simple enjoyment and admiration. W what I, I hope we've learned from, the, from this episode, uh, since this is a game theory podcast, we, we want to be familiar with sort of the theory of, of what an equilibrium is, because that's kind of the core of all of game theory. The fact that every game has an equilibrium and that we're never going to have a game where you can just throw up your hands and go, yeah, I don't know what happens. Nah. 
that's that's why it that's why it has a name. That's why that's why we have a term game theory, and it's complicated. There are a lot of problems to how these equilibria work, and so already we've seen that uh, we have situations where there can be multiple equilibria, and we don't know which is gonna which is gonna happen. And sometimes there's this chasm between them, and we one is more efficient than the other, but we don't know how to get from the less efficient to the more efficient. Okay, Ben. So what I just heard you say is that much like in love, much like in relationships, the human heart, there are mysteries in game theory. People are still puzzling out. Yes. Like the song goes, my heart and Brower's fixed point theorem will go on. So tune in next time on Pod, Pod Paper, Paper Scissors. Paper.